The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined this time just by one singular person, and his name is Patrick Bennett Darty. Pat, you know, John Daigle, I'm assuming if he's driving down to Texas right now, is somewhere in Tennessee. At least that's what I'm envisioning. Ian Harditz, we gave him the day off. We did ask about three or four other industry folks to join us. And we got flat out denied. I'm used to denial, but flat out denied by every single one of them. What does that say about you and I as a pairing trying to invite others to this group? Well, we shouldn't have let you send the first three invites. That should have been me. <laughs> that was a big mistake. Uh, but, you know, then I, I, I strode in. I'm like, well, I'm going to invite person four. And I invited and then they denied me. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it made any difference who was sending the invites. Uh but you know what? We're good enough and we're smart enough and gosh darn it, people like us. Yeah, and we both talk. We both tend to go on a little bit too long in our sentences. So I still think it's going to be an equally long podcast for everyone. I also appreciate you not mentioning any names in that. Uh, we could have alluded to some people who shut us down. But, yeah, you know. They've been they've been excommunicated from the circle, so it's not even <laughs> worth mentioning them anymore. I mean, Pat, everyone is busy in the football world on June 11th of 2020. <laughs> The, the coronavirus year. year. Yeah, you know, it's especially this year. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anything new on your end, Pat, before we get started? Well, I mean, if you really must know. I uh, do. The second year of the Minnesota Vikings online dynasty. We went 15-3, and three, including the playoffs. But all three losses were to my arch rival, human friend. So I was a 14-2 and two wild card team. And then I lost in the divisional round. 17 to 7 to the Green Bay Packers. Um, it was a slobber knocker in the snow. Kirk Cousins' record setting season, he only gets one touchdown, three interceptions. It was people are going to be asking questions this offseason for sure. I should have learned my lesson by now to not ask you completely open ended questions. <laughs> uh, next time, if you ever ask me one, I'll tell you about my football manager 2020 FC Lorient. <laughs> we do hey. need to hear about that. I, I need to ask you about that off camera. I need to get into to FM. Um, I'm, I'm, way, go ahead. Are we the last people in the industry without AirPods do we need to, <laughs> to do that? Um, I use a PC and it, you know, the connection can, I just don't trust them, Pat. I want something hardwired in. Maybe it's me being 30 plus years old, but you know, I'm, I'm good with not the AirPods fades. So. Yeah. We're in our thirties. We're never, 
We're, not, we're wires till we die. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. <laughs> Even All though right. my uh, 65-year-old mother has AirPods. All right. Let's get into today's show. Um, it should be a great one. I'm excited for this topic because we know that all of you, again, I keep repeating myself, at the end of the day, just want to know who to draft or who we like to draft. So Pat and I thought that we would outline our favorite and least favorite picks in the first half of fantasy drafts. And because this is a Friday episode, uh, we're going to round down because the weekend is coming up uh, to just the first six rounds. So how this is going to go is I'll start off with a favorite pick in round one. Pat will have a least favorite pick in round one. Then we'll flip in round two, vice versa, and repeat itself until we get through six rounds. Um, it's it's going to end up being 12 picks, 12 players. And Pat, I guess most notably is we are going by ADP, obviously, and we're going by the FFPC ADP because there is money on the line in FFPC <laughs> games, and it's not just some random mock drafts that you might see out there. Yeah, shout out to FFPC. This is great data. And every training camp, I kind of do an article where I do I do like usually my favorite pick by ADP per round and my least favorite pick by ADP per round. So that's kind of what we're aiming for here. And should we, should we just get started, Josh? Let's get started. Um, Pat, you have, do you want to start with negativity or should we start with the positivity on my end? I'll start with both because to me, the first round this year, uh, there's really not any like glaring overdrafts in my opinion. Um, really the only person who caught my eye as a potential first round overdraft would be Nick Chubb at number 12 overall RB eight and RB eight's not really that unreasonable for him. It's just, if I'm taking a running back in the first round, you know, I want to be pretty sure it's an every down role. And like Alvin Kamara doesn't have an every down role, but he plays on all three downs and, you know, we just don't know if Nick Chubb, what his third down pass catching role is going to be this year. And you know, to ha- he has the best backup in the league, uh, Kareem Hunt, someone who is like him capable of playing all three downs. And it, Chubb pretty much kept rolling uh, after Kareem Hunt returned last year, the first six games at least. He did finally kind of ended the year in a two-game skid. And, 
you know, just with the new coach, you know, the whole new setup and Kareem Hunt, you know, ready for the whole offseason this time, getting in a full Zoom offseason um, and part of the offense from day one. I just am a little leery of like what Nick Chubbs, I mean, he's mm. going to be the starter. I just don't know if we can trust him as like a, a locked in top 12 pick this year. So, so we should say that this is your least favorite pick of the first 12 in the first round. Um, I, I have a small bone to pick because one, it's kind of difficult to find a player who's going in the top 12 overall selections that we dislike, right? Like that's the reason yes. why that they are going so early in drafts. Um, Kareem Hunt, we know how fantastic he was in the passing game last season when coming back from suspension. Pat, I don't think it's really a detriment to Nick Chubb if Kareem Hunt remains good in the passing game because basically Nick Chubb last season wasn't really used in that area. Um, Only, I believe, average two and a a quarter receptions per game. Um, That's obviously very, very small, just three targets per game. So adding that on top of like this built-in floor that we already had and 18 and a half carries per game. And now a Kevin Stefanski offense, which obviously elevated Dalvin Cook to fantastic levels last season. I think Nick Chubb will be very, very close to the output in terms of volume that he got last year, playing around 68% of, of snaps last season. It's just, yeah. I mean, so that's a very valid point. And, you know, Nick Chubb is – is Nick Chubb the best pure runner in the NFL? Like if he's not, he's close. He's in the conversation. It's just, you know, there's a big difference even though between three to four targets and like one to two targets. And it's kind of small, but especially near the top of the draft board, like those small things add up really quickly. Um, That's why I said like, it's not like I would be upset if I ended up with Nick Chubb and I'm not saying Nick Chubb is a no go in the first round. He's just the only one I saw where I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sold on this. Uh, let's go to a favorite, Pat. I'll go with the running back 10 right now, who's going actually number 10 overall in ADP. And that is, that's Miles Sanders. Now the second year player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, in the first nine games of his NFL career, he averages just under 11 touches, 71 total yards, and around 11 fantasy points per game in PPR formats. Then in the final seven games, when Doug Peterson started to trust him, Carson Wentz started to trust him, he absolutely exploded. Almost 19 touches per game, 98 total yards, 17 fancy points per contest. Then in that playoff loss to the Seattle Seahawks, he had 17 touches, I believe, or 17 fancy points. This is a team that is going to go all in, I think, on Miles Sanders. And we've talked about it often the previous few years that, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, even, even when they won the Super Bowl, they were a multi-back Offense. I can tell you just from hearing things through the grapevine that the Philadelphia Eagles in, in previous years were very much interested in some of the top names at running back that went to other teams. And if they did that, they would have had one feature back. Well, guess what? Now they have Miles Sanders, who really only has Boston Scott on the roster at the moment to get touches from him. And he's no legitimate threat in that feature back role. And I always go back to Adam Kaplan in many ways because he's so connected to that Philadelphia Eagles team. And at the very least, he expects 15 to 17 touches per game. And to me, that could make Miles Sanders even a value at pick number 10 here in fantasy drafts. Yeah, I mean, with Miles Sanders, uh, hard to find any nits to pick. Uh, yeah, I w- the, the environment he went crazy in in the second half of the season, I will say, isn't going to exist this time around. You know, the Eagles were 
just laughably short on pass catchers. And, you know, we say this every year that they address pass catcher. I mean, the Eagles very strongly adjust. So there's going to be greater target competition, just overall offensive touch competition. Um, Boston Scott, you know, is a little weird that he like uh, Boston Scott, you know, some, some weeks is almost as productive as Miles Sanders. I mean, that's not obviously uh, a red flag for Miles Sanders, but, you know, they have claimed. So the Eagles have said two different things about the running backs this off season. I believe it was Howie Roseman who's kind of alluded to what you were saying is that it's not necessarily by choice that they've always wanted to be this two or three running back system. He kind of said, if the right back comes along, we want to be a one back system. And they've strongly hinted. They believe that back is Miles Sanders. They have also kind of been hints that maybe Boston Scott will maintain a role, but yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with Miles Sanders' ADP. I think it could still be a value. I think some people might almost be expecting like 20 to 22 weekly Ooh. touches for Miles Sanders. That's not going to happen. But if he gets in like that 15 to 18 range, that is enough for him to meet ADP and be a huge second-year stud. I, I actually kind of hope, and this might be sick of me to say, that they do sign a, a veteran free agent this oh. offseason in that backfield because I don't think it's going to really inhibit Miles Sanders from getting whatever he's getting right now. I think that would just you know lessen the workload for Boston Scott. And if that happens, you know he might fall behind the likes of Josh Jacobs or, or even an Austin Eckler. He's already behind Kenyon Drake at least – in, in, in some ADP circles. Um, and Pat, I always go back to this. I really believe in the Philadelphia Eagles this season, you know, and I think they're going to be better offensively than they were last year. And they're going to win more games last year. And we know teams that are winning on the scoreboard tend to run the football more often. And so if, if he's on a team that has, you know, more positive game script this year, that's great. And I, I would say that he's more likely to be in a team that does that this year compared to your Joe Mixon's, your Kenyon Drake's, your Josh Jacobs, and your Austin Eckler's. And that's just an added cherry on top of the cake for me here with Miles Sanders' evaluation as we head into 2020. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the Eagles could get momentum with the, the personnel they had in the second half of last season, they're an offense to be excited about with the massive upgrades this year. All right. On to round two. Pat, Tell us who your favorite pick in the second round is here in ADP. I mean, I sometimes I feel like I'm on crazy pills. Like, is DeAndre Hopkins really falling to the second round? Um, and where I see him as FFPC, we got him as the wide receiver four in the second round at 15 overall. And uh, I, I'll be repeating some thoughts I've had on DeAndre Hopkins as he's come up a few times on the podcast this spring, but you know, kind of something, uh, a talking point you've had in the past, Josh, was uh, not just you, but something I've heard you talk about several times is how difficult the Texans can make offense look sometimes. Like like they had problems scheming DeAndre Hopkins open sometimes. You know how like difficult that is to like make it seem hard to get DeAndre Hopkins, like the quality looks uh, that he's kind of, that he kind of has always had. The Texans just started to look a little stagnant last year and my point is he's going from an offense that made the passing game appear overly difficult sometimes last year to one that we know where the whole point is trying to make it as easy as possible with four receivers on the field, you know, creating mismatches everywhere. And so DeAndre Hopkins is in an offense that I think is going to create easy looks for him. Uh, he was a, someone who addressed a massive need. You know, they went out and aggressively got him. It was a glaring need for them, a true number one receiver. And, uh, just a special talent with a team that really wanted him with a young quarterback who I think fits, of course, Deshaun Watson fits down your Hopkins skill set too. But Kyler Murray, the way he can accurately drop dimes down the sideline, like that fits so perfectly with DeAndre Hopkins, like his body control game. 
And I just, I don't see, I think he's going to get 150 targets again. I really wow. do. And uh, he's got it five years in a row. I mean, again, totally different setup, but I think the Cardinals are going to make DeAndre Hopkins happen. And he's just a special player. And I, I, w- I do wish there had been a normal off season, but you know, th- these are players, these are players are good enough where I don't think that's going to matter. So he's going right now. And it's shocking that you can get a top four wide receiver at pick 18 overall that just speaks to how much people are investing in running backs early on. And it makes sense, especially if you are doing drafts right now, Pat, he's going ahead of Julio Jones at the moment, obviously going ahead of Chris Godwin at the moment kind of depends on what ADP you're looking at. But again, we're looking at FFPC and to your point, his role kind of shifted last year a little bit with the Houston Texans, you know, his average depth of target was 10 and a half yards. Compare that to 2018. I believe it was 12.2 yards. Um, 2017 was around 12.9 yards. Like they had to make him in some ways like this safety blanket option because there really were no other consistent pass catchers on that team. Again, Will Fuller went down. You brought in like Kenny Stills at some point during the season. It it, it just nothing was, yeah, nothing was consistent other than DeAndre Hopkins. And so you're going to have two consistent options in Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, most likely in the slot. And you just can allow the playmaker that is DeAndre Hopkins to make even more plays down the field. It's it's a loaded top of the wide receiver group. It's tough for me to you know filter between which ones I like, but I do find it difficult to to dislike DeAndre Hopkins in any draft that I leave him with. Yeah, and I just think the Cardinals in general are going to be a higher. We're going to see more of with the Cardinals. The offense Cliff Kingsbury wanted to run last year, but just couldn't because he didn't have the personnel. It's going to be a a higher volume uh, passing attack. So, yeah, DeAndre, just I'm betting on his talent. He's one of the best players of the decade. All right, so that is one of our favorite picks of round two. I'll go to the least favorite. I'll be negative Norris here. Um, That is the running back 13 in drafts right now, 19th overall. His name is Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. Pat, I I bet if we fast forward in two months, Aaron Jones won't be a second-round pick, but he is right now because I think everyone is catching on to the fact that he's not a good value at that spot. I mean, how – I understand it from a big picture look. Like, how can you be low on a running back last year that finished with 16 rushing touchdowns, 19 total touchdowns? But if you look at how those touchdowns were scored, I mean, Aaron Jones was second in the NFL in carries from the five-yard line and in with 23. That's repeatable. Um, (laughs) That was without Jamal Williams. You know, they just drafted A.J. Dillon in round two, a 240-pound back. So I know he's an athletic freak, but – if you just kind of put the two posters up on a wall and say, well, which one do we want to have carrying the football within the five yard line? Probably the bigger back. What was actually shocking to me, Pat, is to see that Aaron Jones was not even a full time player and he was still able to convert those 19 touchdowns. I mean, he only played 60.35% of the snaps last season. So it's not like I think he's going to have a lesser workload. In 2020, maybe inside the five yard line. Yes, I am saying that. But overall, I still expect him to be in that 55 to 60 percent workload share timeshare on the field. But regression is just inevitable. It's going to happen here. And not just for Aaron Jones, Pat. I also want to throw it out for the Green Bay Packers, who they cannot play the same style of football and go 13 and three this season. So it's from a team perspective and an individual perspective that regression is inevitable here for Aaron Jones. 
Yeah, for the Packers were like like Mr. One score team last year, which we know is a famously fickle stat, your record in one score games. I agree with everything you said about Aaron Jones. I think he might I don't I have a hard time seeing him fall below 60% of the snaps, but my only counter argument would be I mean, there's a lot of regression baked into this ADP already. I mean, hmm. He finished his, like the RB four to six basically last year, depending on the for, depending on the format, and he's going as the RB thirteen. So it's not like people are out there drafting him as like the RB five, the RB six. People are pricing in regression, and you know, Aaron Jones last year was not the first time that he kind of overperformed his snap percentage, you know, so to speak. Like he's just a special, like he kind of. He's someone who like over and over again kind of like renders committees obsolete. You know, like every time Jamal Williams like seemed like he was going to become like a true weekly factor, Aaron Jones would go out and just have a huge game. And A.J. Dillon is a bit of a wild card. But, you know, at the end of the day, Aaron Jones is still the lead back for an offense that has made it very clear it's going to be run focused again. And the regression is very real. He's not going to score the second most touchdowns in uh, Packers franchise history again this year. But I'll just say I do think people are kind of already uh, they're baking in regression and maybe RB thirteen is not enough of a fade for some people, but to me that's kind of a responsible level of fade for Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, you talked about Nick Chubb in the first round. His ADP in FFPCs right now is fourteenth overall. Then it drops down to Austin Eckler seventeenth overall. Then Aaron Jones at nineteenth overall. So like there is a cliff after Nick Chubb, and if if I don't really like a lot of the runners after him, again, I mentioned Eckler, mentioned Aaron Jones, there's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I'd probably invest in in that group, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon. I understand if you just kind of want to fade that entire group until we get some of the names that we're going to talk about later. Um, I'm just going to say, one: Austin Eckler has reached 15 carries twice in his career. Maybe we should just cool out a little bit. That's all maybe. I'm going to say. Maybe. Uh, okay, let's go to round three. I will start with this one. Um, my favorite pick of round three, and I've already given the the James James Conner spiel, so I'm, I'm not going to do it again. He's going around pick 35 as the running back 21. Uh, instead, I'm going to shift over to wide receiver. Um, hopefully you get your two running backs in the first two rounds, and if so, you're most likely selecting near the end of round three. And I'd be okay, Pat, to exit the third round with my wide receiver one being DJ Moore. Here's a bold prediction. DJ Moore can end 2020 top five in targets in the NFL. I, and I mean, I watched the Panthers every single Sunday and I was shocked to see when reviewing all these things for the draft guide that DJ Moore was already top 10 in the NFL in targets last season, 135 targets. So let me like take into my brain and tell you how I came to that conclusion. Okay. Well, one Joe Brady fed Justin Jefferson last year, 111 receptions in 15 games. Um, we know that DJ Moore is a short to intermediate pass catcher who is dominant after the catch, one of the best in the NFL in that area. An average depth of target of 11 yards. Conversely, Curtis Samuels was 15.3. So in, unless they like completely change Curtis Samuels' role, which is possible, it's possible, and and just give Robbie Anderson none of the other roles have worked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll blame Kyle Allen for that. Um, and then you also have Teddy Bridgewater. We know that Teddy Bridgewater was last in the NFL last year in average uh, air yards per throw, per attempt. His skill set just fits perfectly with DJ Moore's to go along with the fact that this Panthers team is not going to win a lot of games. Their defense is probably the worst in the NFL, so they're going to be in a lot of negative game script situations. I would count on DJ Moore to exceed the 135 targets he saw last season. 
First of all, how weird is it for the Panthers to have one of the worst defenses in the NFL? That's still taking some getting used to uh, for me. DJ Moore will for sure be in the top 10 in targets. Uh, he's, he's you know, from a fantasy target perspective, uh, someone who can, like, be a manufactured touch player and then also, like, a big play threat on, like, difficult targets. Like, who he does both phases of the receiving game. So he has everything you look for from that perspective. The only thing I'll say is uh, – it's it is a great on paper fit uh, with Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore's skill set, but it is just a lot of variables. Uh, you know, with the hmm. new quarterback, uh, a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, you know, a new receiver and three receiver sets with Robbie Anderson. It's just a lot of you know, in an offense with a running back who just set the running back receptions record two years in a row. Um, so it is a lot of variables for DJ Moore. Uh, but I mean, he, uh, he was someone I loved going into last year and he exceeded my expectations. Someone who is to a T living up to like his pre-draft billing. And yeah, he's a special player and he's a high target player. And I, I would be totally fine with DJ Moore in the third, maybe not as my number one receiver, but even then, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not feeling like my draft is ruined if DJ Moore right. is my number one receiver. Um, my pushback, doable. my pushback in a lot of your comments are a lot of the statements you just made are hopefully improved this year. You know, he put up those 135 targets with Kyle Allen at his quarterback last year. Hopefully Teddy is an improvement on Kyle Allen and Joe Brady, what we saw at LSU. I think Scott Turner is a solid NFL coordinator and does a great job manufacturing touches. I think Joe Brady can do that as well. And if, if I keep mentioning, maybe it happens, DJ Moore being a, a top five receiver in terms of targets this year, you're getting the price tag of wide receiver 11. 39 overall ADP that ultimately I think ends up as a value for him. So. I just, my final thought will be, even though he's on Washington now, I am shocked that you don't think Kyle Allen is still the quarterback of the future for the Panthers. <laughs> um, just shocked. Um, you know, a, there have been many, many bad things in 2020, but if we can reverse course and get in a time machine for 2019, maybe one of the lowest moments on Twitter was the two week span of Kyle Allen being the quarterback of the future for the Carolina Panthers. The so, Kyle Allen discourse was not good. Obviously 2020 has taken it to a completely next level. Okay. That was our favorite selection. At least my favorite selection of round three, Pat, what is your least favorite selection of round three? Well, just I don't love the running backs in round three. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like where you get to the the running backs with really concerning questions. You know, this is the round of of Leonard Fournette, of Jonathan Taylor, um, Todd Gurley, and just like you can make the case for all of them as a sensible third round pick, but in Leonard Fournette at this point is a zero ceiling player um, with a questionable floor. Uh, Todd Gurley, you know, you could also call Todd Gurley probably a zero ceiling player at this point if his health isn't dramatically improved. He does have a more stable floor probably than Leonard Fournette at this point. And then there's Jonathan Taylor where he has an uncertain floor and ceiling. Uh, we're pretty sure he'll be the early down back. Um, but, you know, if if he struggles in camp, you know, after this weird offseason, Marlon Mack's totally fine. They don't have to just jam Jonathan Taylor in there if they don't think he's ready. And of course, you know, now we've got Mr. Third down back. Apparently Naheem Hines is going to monopolize the passing down touches for the Colts. So just, you know, by definition, uh, the further down the draft board you go, the more questions you're going to have about each pick. But I just do not love the third round running backs. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And kind of going back to what we were saying earlier on this conversation, this is why you need to take your running backs early, because let me let me put up two categories next to each other because these are wide receivers going in round three and these are running backs going 
in round three. You mentioned Lennon Fournette. There's Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, Chris Carson, right? Okay. Or you can take wide receivers such as DJ Moore, who I mentioned, um, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay, Amari Cooper. I, I, I mean, that's a pretty easy one to say which side. Allen Robinson is. is up there too. Like, which side do you want to be on? The one that you don't feel good in your running backs, including Todd Gurley, or the one at wide receiver being like, yeah, I can count on these guys to potentially be top 10 wide receivers once the season is over. Yeah, I think uh, last year I kind of tried to trademark on the fly in our live draft the running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver strategy. Yeah. And it's uh, looking very good. It's a, a thought like writ large and running back is like the very top tier is deeper, has gotten deeper the past two or three years. Um, then it, there, there was a point like three or four years ago, where, like even the top tier was almost all uncertainty. The top tier has gotten deeper. The overall depth uh, is less than ever, though. And it's like there's more high-end options. This is just feeding into Zach. There's more high-end options, I feel like. And then the questions to start earlier and earlier every year, though, at the second and third tier. I mean, Odell Beckham, who I think can still be in contention for, you know, the most talented wide receiver in football. I understand it was awful last year all around for the Browns. I mean, he's going as overall number 38 player, wide receiver 10 this year. How is Rotopat – not supposed to do that, you know. Right. Like, uh, <laughs> I think I'm that's sorry. the first time I've ever referred to myself in the third person on the podcast. Uh, I don't know. Check the tapes. Check the tapes. Also, Pat, <laughs> uh, you already basically named yourself a, a trailblazer, so I appreciate that as well. Just patting yourself <laughs> on the back uh, as we go along. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Okay, uh, before we move on to round four, since we're at the halfway point, I want to thank everyone who has left a rating review recently in the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, go and just search for Rotorold Football Podcast. Download, subscribe. We are basically here to help you win your fantasy drafts. It warms my heart every year when we get you know uh, comments in week 15 and week 16 saying, hey, you helped me win our draft and, and my league. And again, that's what we're here for. That's what we're going to be doing all the way through whatever preseason we have this year and obviously continuing on through the season. Okay, let's get to round number four. Pat, who is your favorite player to draft in round four? 
Yeah, I thought about talking about because there's some pretty good receiver values this round, and Adam Thielen, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, again, just speaking to the absurd depth at wide receiver and like the values you can get in like the third to fifth round is just crazy. Uh, but I might go with a really annoying contrarian answer, and I'm going to say David Johnson, uh, mm. the RB22. Uh, you know, David Johnson uh, playing through a back injury last year, I mean, pretty much looked like he had a piano on his back. Like he looked done. Um, someone whose career rate stats are really not that impressive has never been like a big play runner necessarily. Um, but when you look at what the Texans gave up, um, the trade price for David Johnson, I mean, the intentions could not be more clear. They're going to use David Johnson as an every down back and they're going to four. He could, he's basically going to be like this year's Leonard Fournette. I feel like where come hell or high water, he's going to be the three down back and he's going to get his touches. Duke Johnson is a variable that Leonard Fournette didn't have last year for the Jaguars. So it's not a perfect comparison, but I think the Texans, they're going to get David Johnson the ball no matter what. And I'd rather kind of take that locked in workload for David Johnson than some of the running. Like I'd rather much rather have David Johnson than Le'Veon Bell. I'd rather have David Johnson than James Conner, even though I could definitely see the counter argument to that. I just don't know if James Conner can stay healthy. That's always been the Steelers concern with him. And he's kind of, he's been bearing it out the past two years. I would probably rather have Chris Carson than David Johnson. But again, this is David Johnson to me this year. is a classic where you don't have to love the player anymore, but you have to love the role. And the fact that he's barely going as an RB2 just seems like a mistake to me. I think maybe the best argument you can make for David Johnson is just to show what Carlos Hyde did last year. I mean, yes. <laughs> Carlos Hyde had over 1,000 rushing yards last season. Maybe First time in his career. Maybe the quietest 1,000-yard <laughs> season we've ever seen. I mean, And he had 255 carries last year and just 10 catches. So if David Johnson gets 255 carries – almost certainly as I think still one of the best receiving backs in the NFL, 30 pass catches, like that's already putting him in the 280, 290 touch range. Now, obviously at the end of the day, health is the biggest concern, but Pat, I don't know about you, but after this is done, like it's not like I have a white lab coat in my, in my closet, right? Like I just have always a difficult time projecting injuries. Um, because I kind of like to think of like the most positive outcome that a player can have and, and draft based on that. I also going back to our DeAndre Hopkins conversation, love that there's a new play caller in the, with yes. the Texans. That's like, big. I think his name is Tim Kelly. That it is. is. It is. <laughs> I, I hope he's to, real. He's not a Madden generated thing. Like he's real. I've looked into it. I, I hope to solidify that statement by, by July. But again, nothing is easy or was for Deshaun Watson, and hopefully David Johnson does do that. Uh, I mean, but Pat, it would be hilarious if we've been calling for it for four or five years now, if Duke Johnson just emerges as a future back out of nowhere. But that just seems like something that is a complete uncertainty. In the simulation, you know, the way the simulation's been going lately, it might finally be time for it to give Duke Johnson its due. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I've completely lost my train of thought there after my great, great uh, simulation joke. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll flip over to a player who I do not love taking here in round four. Um, and this is a tough one, Pat. David because, Johnson. Because <laughs> I, I love A.J. Brown. Who doesn't love A.J. Brown? I think that there's already an argument you could make that A.J. Brown is one of the 10 most talented wide receivers 
in football. I mean, ever since that Atlanta Falcons game last year, I remember sitting in that studio in Stanford, Connecticut with Ian and Daigle and saying, man, I wish this guy could get eight targets a week or, or, or 10 targets a week. The issue is I'm going to even be waiting for that through 2020 because it doesn't seem like that is going to happen. I mean, A.J. Brown averaged just over five targets per game last year, just over three receptions per game last year. I mean, he had just one game over eight targets in 2019 and just three games of at least eight targets. Right now he's going as the wide receiver 14, an ADP of, of wide receiver 42. That's ahead of Adam Thielen. That's ahead of Calvin Ridley. That's ahead of Cortland Sutton, Robert Woods, who's going to stay on the field, Keenan Allen. Like I could keep going on and on and on. AJ Brown is a, a ludicrous talent, right? Exception with the ball in his hands, makes so many individual plays, but he can't rely on those individual plays week in, week out, season in, season out. He needs to be fed the easy targets, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that this year with Ryan Tannehill starting for 16 games. I mean, I totally agree. One of my favorite offseason stats was uh, A.J. Brown reached 1,000 yards last year on 52 receptions. Uh, that was the third lowest total for a 1,000-yard player of the entire decade. So you, know, you talk about big play reliant. You talk about not high volume. The only counter argument – so I completely agree with you. It's just way too high. And we love A.J. Brown, but I would even throw like you know D.K. Metcalf uh, – DJ Shark uh, into like the people I'm comfortable taking over him. I just think are a little more proven and a little more safer roles. But the only thing I will say is that AJ Brown is a perfect fit for this offense, or offense that wants to be run heavy with pop a shot, play action passing. Uh, he's a perfect complement to Derrick Henry. You know, like just another total beast uh, after first contact. Yeah, the, the volume just isn't established yet. And, you know, maybe he will be DJ Shark. Maybe he'll take a. Uh, he doesn't even need he does not like he needs to take a huge step forward, but maybe he'll take a bigger step forward than we're expecting this year. But yeah, the volume is it's kind of like we need to believe it when we see it with AJ yeah. Brown because it just wasn't enough last year. And then the playoffs, what do you get? Like six total touches? And like it was crazy. You know, they made the AFC championship game by giving him like six to eight touches. So it, it's not guaranteed. So if I if I can take a step back, look myself in the mirror, uh, which I don't do often enough, and <laughs> You know, uh, tell, me, tell me about it uh. <laughs> and, and say to myself, well, how can A.J. Brown return on this value again of being wide receiver 14? Maybe it's the Titans don't win a lot of games this year, right? Like because last year, I, I think people think that all that they did was run the ball. Well, I mean, a lot of cases and a lot of wins, they threw the ball early, create a lead and then ran the ball with Derrick Henry. I mean, that's exactly what they did against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so what if like, you know, the Titans playing doesn't work out exactly how they wanted it to this year and they find themselves, you know, in negative game scripts much more often heading into the fourth quarter of a lot of games. Maybe that's how AJ Brown heightens his target total. But I also will say that and suggest that that's not how this team wants to be built. <laughs> and so no. if, we're, if we're looking at ideal circumstances that would go against Tennessee's plan offensively, and that's not something I want to bet on. Yeah, we have a very large sample size, too, of Ryan Tannehill playing from behind, and uh, it was very rarely a good thing. Um, not a good quarterback when he has to throw a lot. Um, I know you have a hard out here in about 10 minutes uh, for daddy duty, so Pat, let's... Hashtag child care. So, so let's go into round five. Um, I'll go first. My favorite pick of round five uh, is a running back, and I think that it's important, again, to note that so many of the backs that we just mentioned um, 
in that round three, round four territory, I just want to throw up in my mouth when I draft them. Um, that's not the case, though, if I land David Montgomery here in, in round five. I mean, he's going as the running back 28, uh, 50 overall ADP. Um, that's after the likes of Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert, around the Cam Makers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram. How many of those backs I just mentioned can you say are basically locked into 17 touches per game? None. No, none. None. And obviously David Montgomery is. And it's not like he even played like 70% of the snaps last year. You know, Tariq Cohen was on the field quite a bit. In fact, David Montgomery only played 57.5% of the offensive snaps of Chicago Bears last year. I said in a previous podcast, and I was told by an NBC exec that if you say something smart, you need to repeat yourself. So I'm going to say it again. I think I think it is absolutely fair to expect, yes, expect that the worst season of David Montgomery's career will probably be his rookie season. And he was the running back 25 last year. So you're getting him at a value right now at running back 26. So if he improves at all on an individual level, again, you're already returning on great value here in round five with David Montgomery. You know, he's got some pretty strong David Johnson principle going here where again, you don't have to love the player. And you know, there was not a whole lot to love about David Montgomery's skill set last year, but you just have to love the role. And they've said it in actions. They didn't add anybody. Uh, they've said it in words. They've just explicitly said David Montgomery is getting another chance as like the lead featured back. And wh- what's the alternative? I mean, we know Tariq Cohen's not going to do that. Is the number three back Ryan Null? I mean, like this is going to happen, and maybe you don't love David Montgomery's film. Maybe you don't love, uh, you know, his his forty time, his his athletic profile. But the role is there, and like you said, uh, I mean, I was, so I was transitioning this into my David Montgomery going after someone like Cam Akers is like totally nuts. Like, how is Cam Akers going as a borderline RB two? when we just have literally zero idea how the Rams offense, how their running back rotation is going to shake out. Zero. <laughs> really zero. I mean, the one, the major bullet point in the Rams backfield is that, so the Rams already had Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown on the roster, and they still saw fit to invest with the number 52 overall pick. Order. So that speaks a lot. But I mean, we Cam Akers is not going to be an every down player. I mean, Sean McVay has already said he wants to use all three backs, which is coach speak. But it, it is, we don't know. We can feel like Cam Akers is the favor for touches because he probably is, but we had just have no idea what the overall snap and touch allotment is going to be. Like you said, with David Montgomery, we do, and it's just a no-brainer to take David Montgomery ahead of Cam Akers. So if I can break groupthink here for a moment, it is fascinating to me how different the conversations were post-draft comparing Daryl Henderson's last year in 2019 and Cam Akers this year because they were basically selecting the same area of their respective NFL drafts. Um, as soon as Sean McVay and Les Snead selected Daryl Henderson, they evoked the name Lance Dunbar. Uh, so that should have been an immediate tell. And maybe at the time, people like John Daigle said, well, that's because, you know, Todd Gurley's in the roster and they paid him a ton of money. Uh, it's quite different, though, than what they've said about K-Makers this year, when an area scout, his Southeast area scout, said that this guy can be a foundation back. And Daryl Henderson coming out and said he's basically still rehabbing. Now, if there were offseason activities, then he he said he would be on the field. But that's a season-ending injury last year that seems to still be nagging him right now. But even if Daryl Henderson is like out of the picture and just used like 20% of the time, he's still Malcolm Brown there. And Malcolm Brown was taking touches away from Todd Gurley last season. 
it's just it's pure wish casting and every year we have a few of these players and you know I, we want to be excited about new players uh and again if, you, if you're making arguments there are plenty of bullet points in cam makers favor it's just that i think there are so many more not in his favor and yeah, it's one of the years of the top wish casting picks and I mean, you've got to be really confident to be taking cam you've basically got to be like have inside information from sean McVay. i feel like to be taking Cam Akers as the RB25. Uh, let me go through my Rolodex here. Um, <laughs> anyways, okay. And I, one final note. You know, running backs, if you get a good value on them, they basically like unlock your fantasy team because there is a complete unknown. But I'm not sure if Cam Akers is the one that would want to take the shot. Okay. Round six, Pat, let's close it out fairly quickly here. Uh, you have the favorite in round six. Who are you going to go with? And this is a round of like receiver values. So to me, it's crazy that Devontae Parker is falling this far. You know, last year, Devontae Parker was fifth in yards, fourth in touchdowns, and ninth in yards per catch. You know, like a big play element there. And uh, to me, he has an improved quarterback situation, I would say. Uh, this is you know, much improved overall offense, a better offensive environment for Deontay, Devontae Parker this year. And yeah, I completely agree with some fading. For Devontae Parker, but uh, going as he's barely going as a wide receiver too. He's going as the wide receiver twenty-four. I think Devontae Parker is kind of safely in that like wide receiver eighteen to twenty-two range. And then you know, some of Terry McLaurin last year is going as the wide receiver twenty-six. Um, he flashed you know such amazing ability and one of the worst offensive setups you will ever see. And even if you don't believe in Dwayne Haskins, which I don't really think I do. I mean, there's no way the Redskins offensive environment can be worse this year than it was last year. And we know that Terry McLaurin is just a special talent. So if I'm in the sixth round and coming out with Devontae Parker or Terry McLaurin, like I'm ecstatic. So I said this during the live draft. Um, go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. In a worst case scenario world, Terry McLaurin is basically in the exact same situation that DJ Moore was in Carolina last season. And we reiterated that that resulted in 135 targets with Scott Turner as his offensive coordinator and Kyle Allen throwing him the football. If they don't even have to get to Kyle Allen at quarterback, that means Dwayne Haskins is outplaying him. And Terry McLaurin with 40 to 50 more targets than he saw last season, that's explosion potential. And if I'm confident in anything sitting here, on June 11th, it's that Terry McLaurin will vault up much closer away from that wide receiver 26 mark to most likely that wide receiver 21 or 22 mark during the July, August draft. So I'm right there with, with you. Get the value on him when you can. Um, okay. I'll close it out here with my least favorite pick of round six. Got to go back to the running back spot. Let me go over and click on that tab. Um, Hopefully you can follow my logic here. I know that that can be difficult at times. It's not like I, I really believe in Ronald Jones. It's not you like I, Just a minute. it's not like I don't believe in Keyshawn Vaughn. But he's going as the running back thirty-one right now, sixty-five overall. And it's kind of I'm doing my best to separate the idea that we just have to invest in the running back that Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers spent a third-round selection on. Because if you just put Keyshawn Vaughn's evaluation on paper, it's not like he just easily fills and perfectly fills the voids that they've wished Ronald Jones could fill for years. You know, like these are the receptions totals he had in four seasons in college 16 one season, nine one season, 13 one season, 
28 in his final season. And he just had like average pass protection grades. So like if they had drafted someone who was, you know, the best back in those areas coming out of college, I'd be all in. But they didn't. I mean, they skipped over a bunch of other backs that other teams like. And maybe they love Keyshawn Vaughn. But just at that that running back 31 mark, hopefully I already have my running backs already selected. Because, again, it's not like I'm loving anyone else on the board at that moment. But I, I just I, – I think we're kind of just buying into the Bucks believing in him when we don't know what that looks like right now. I will say they must have faith in his pass protection because Ronald Jones's pass protection was very bad last year, and Tom Brady is not going to put up with bad pass protection. But I, you know, I completely agree because I mean, Dare Agunbowale could still emerge as like the James White for this offense, and there's not many pillars holding up uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's floor right now. And I understand why people are taking it. I think he will be the lead back. Yeah, I mean, talk about it's another situation where there's nothing is proven. We have no idea what to expect. It's all projection. And uh, I will say, you know, Bruce Arians wasn't there when they drafted Ronald Jones. Maybe this has no allegiance to Ronald Jones. Um, but yeah, this is a situation that is this pure projection at this point and where the outlook could be radically different once we finally get some practice reports, once we finally get a pre preseason game. And uh, yeah, it could look very silly. Keyshawn Vaughn is RB31. Not to say that, I could be totally wrong. And Keyshawn Vaughn is going behind like basically every other rookie running back in drafts right now. Like he's going behind J.K. Dobbins. He's going behind DeAndre Swift. He's going behind Cam Akers. He's obviously going behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think some of that uncertainty is already baked into his ADP right now. I definitely want a lot of exposure to this Bucks team, but I, I just can't get behind Keyshawn Vaughn in this round six range when I like a lot of the wide receivers and maybe even a tight end like Evan Ingram instead of him here. I will say despite loving, despite obviously liking JK Dobbins as a game much more, uh, I would have rather to have Keyshawn Vaughn than JK Dobbins. We're talking mm-hmm. about a complicated backfield yeah. with the Ravens. Um, but yeah, Let, let's just eliminate Gus Edwards from reality yeah. and just, just give all of those touches <laughs> to JK Dobbins. Uh, That'd be great. Davis Maddock, who, spoiler, was one of the people who turned down the podcast, <laughs> has tweeted in the past that we demand all caps justice. So there's going to be a Justice Hill movement again this summer. I'm just telling you to get ready for it. I feel like since we mentioned Davis, we should mention the other people. No, just only Davis. Only Davis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have all three, if not four, on the podcast at some point this summer. Um, so be on the lookout for that. All right, Pat. You did a great job. This is a really fun episode. Quality show. We're two quality podcasters. You know, um, we've done it enough, like 430 something episodes <laughs> of this podcast where we should be able to do this. Okay. Thank you so much. Again, leaving rating reviews helps us out. Telling one friend helps us out and subscribing does as well. For Patrick Doherty, I am Josh Norris, up the villa, five days away. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s. 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 